0: Well, I hope you've been waiting, and I hope you've been studying, and I hope you've been looking at that passage in Philippians two twelve. At the last broadcast, you remember I uh, left you hanging in the air, hanging by your fingernails to the edge of the cliff, I hope, and I hope that you went back and you did some studying. Let me, for the sake of those who tuned in fresh and new today, give you some indication of what we're doing here, these three broadcasts. Uh, I read Philippians two twelve, which I'll do again right now. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling. This verse has caused problems to Christians in the past, we noted. The problem is that some people think that it's telling us that we are to be saved by our own good works. last broadcast we pointed out that this could not be so since Paul in the first verse of this letter is writing to those who are already called saints. He's writing to people who are already saved. And it's to them that he says, work out your own salvation. So he couldn't be telling saved people to be saved. So we saw then that it had to mean something else. And I told you to go back and try to find out this week in between the broadcasts what it was that was the context of this verse. Because the verse began with the word, so then... That means that it's the end of a long discussion that has been going on for a while, and this is kind of the conclusion that wraps it all up, so then. So whenever you read a word like so then, or a therefore, a wherefore, that takes you right back to some context that comes first. And I gave you the clue that the context began in chapter 1. Now, did you find out what the first verse of this context is? I said that it was a verse that had some of the same kinds of things in it that we find in in chapter 2, verse 12. All right, do you have your Bible? Do you know what the verse is? Here it is, chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 27. You were right, sure you were. Okay, verse 27. Now here's what Paul says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent. Those are the words that were like the words in our verse where he says, as you have obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, you see. All right, so he says in verse 27 of chapter one, whether I see you or remain absent, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now remember, Paul was absent from the Philippian church. He was in Rome in prison. He could not come to the Philippians to teach them personally. He couldn't come to help them meet their problems and to solve their problems and to help them deal with their difficulties. And so he says, I want to hear that whether I'm able to get loose from my prison here and whether I am freed and am able to come to you at some time in the future or whether I have to stay here and remain away from you, that you will listen to me and much more so when I have to be absent. You don't obey just when I'm there to see to it that things get done, but all the more you pay attention to what I have to say when I can't be there. Listen to my words all the more then because I only have words with which to talk to you. And the one thing that seems to be critical in his thinking is this. He says, I want to hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul is concerned about unity in the church at Philippi. Now you notice that as the passage goes on for example in the early part of the second chapter verse 2 he says make my joy complete by being of the same mind maintaining the same love united in spirit intent on one purpose if there was any one theme that runs through these verses it is the idea that paul is stressing the need for unity the need for working together in getting the gospel out to the lost and in maintaining our Christian faith and our Christian church and our witness and our growth as individuals in Christ. We must have unity and love among the brothers and sisters in the church. Now, why is it that Paul is stressing unity in this chapter that talks about working out your own salvation? And I'm going to get to the answer to that question, not today, but you're going to have to hang on for one more broadcast and I promise the next time I'm going to tell you what 2.12 means, but we're slowly, gradually working toward it. We're already back down here to verse two in the second chapter of Philippians, and we're going to go on. But notice, he says that it's unity that's needed. Why does he stress unity? Because there was disunity in the church of Philippi. There were people who were having problems with each other. We read about this later on, Paul first starts with the positive, he starts with the unity. He doesn't start with the disunity, he starts with the positive rather than the negative. But eventually in chapter 4 he gets around to the split that there was in the church at Philippi. And he says, I urge Eodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Here were two women, two women who were probably the heads of factions within the church. And Paul has to write, even naming them by name in this fourth chapter, that they might get their differences settled and that they might live in harmony in the Lord. Now, these were not just two women who were fighters. They were two very faithful women who had worked hard for the Lord's work, but now something had come between them. Notice as he says in verse three, when he speaks to the, to the uh, preacher at the church in Philippi, he says, true comrade, I ask you to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement also. Somehow this man was mixed into the mess. And the rest of my fellow workers, you see, they were also getting involved, whose names are in the book of life. These women had shared in the struggle for the gospel. They had helped Paul personally. They had been of great assistance to him when he was in Philippi. But now somehow or other, they had fallen out with each other. Somehow they were on the opposite sides. Instead of striving together, shoulder to shoulder, Uh, against the enemies of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and for the gospel of Christ, instead of striving together, they were fighting each other. Paul says this must cease. This has got to stop. It's about this, you see, he's concerned in chapter 1, 27 through the end, and it's about this he's concerned in chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And so we're concerned about unity. And next time as we meet together, we're going to talk more about that unity. But just now look at verses 3 and 4 because he mentions, and I'll talk about these a little bit more later, he mentions two things that bring unity. And I'll just read them now and on the next broadcast, I'll try to open these up for you a little bit. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. When we can come to the place where not to get out of work, but where we really prefer others before ourselves and give them this importance that they deserve as people who have been given gifts by God to use in the body, when we make others more important than ourselves instead of demanding our own way, that brings unity. And secondly, he says in verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. That's the second great principle that brings about unity among believers when we're more deeply concerned about the problems and the needs and the interests and the joys and the successes and all the rest of our brothers and sisters in Christ than we are about ourselves, that brings unity. You can tell by your own prayers whether you are or not. If your prayers are gimme prayers only, Lord, give me this and give me that and give me something else and do this for me and do this for uh, uh, my family. And if they never are... Uh, directed toward your brother and toward your sister and your concerns are deeply about them so that you pray earnestly about them, there's something wrong and this is going to lead to disunity in your heart and in your attitude and eventually in your relationships with others. Lord, help us to understand this passage of Scripture and wherever we have brought disunity to a church, we pray, Lord, that you will help us to learn how to be unified with others by Putting them first, making them more important, and be care uh, by caring about their interest for Christ's sake, Amen.